This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed physician. But if you will, please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. witnessing an unprecedented situation here. We're getting reports from thousands of women around the world. Uh, we're seeing things like women are bleeding for weeks. Um, some of them ha- are not getting their period. Some postmenopausal women are bleeding. Uh, some people are passing large clots. Women in pregnancy are developing clots. Women are experiencing miscarriages. Uh, some people are having bloody noses. Uh, children in proximity to those who've been vaccinated are developing bloody noses and clotting. There's bruising on the legs being reported, uh, blood clots in men. We're seeing things that uh, make no sense. And uh, all we can do is uh, open up discussion. Again, uh, we're seeing unprecedented censorship. So this forum is an incredible way to hear some expert theories on what's going on. So we have to discuss, we have to debate, we have to investigate, and we have to research. So um, I'd like to ask a few questions of the panelists, and I'm sure it'll just roll into a a very lively, amazing conversation. But um, before I do, uh, I mean, before you speak, if you could just give a few minutes of your background, because recently I've heard a couple of you being introduced, and it really didn't do justice to who you are and the amazing uh, background that you bring to this subject. So if you could just introduce yourself prior to speaking uh, the first time, that would be wonderful. So I think the first question is on people's minds, women around the world, um, what do you think is happening? Do you think this is hormonal? Do you think um, the uterus is being, uh, is is a targeted organ? Um, What What exactly uh, do you think is going on in in simple terms that all of us can understand? um, I know this is a complex issue and there's many avenues we could pursue, but um, just in in your idea, uh, Dr. Christian Northrup, uh, what do you think is happening to not only people who have been vaccinated developing these problems, but now as Dr. Sherry said, in people who are in close proximity to those who've been vaccinated. We've never seen this before. So what do you think is happening? And you're muted, you're muted. Thank you. So I'm introducing myself first. I'm a board certified OBGYN physician, went to Dartmouth Medical School, did my residency at Tufts New England Medical Center in Boston. I was a clinical assistant professor of OBGYN for 25 years at the University of Vermont College of Medicine. I'm at the I'm the author of three New York Times bestsellers, including um, this Bible of women's health called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, loaded with peer-reviewed literature and my experience on the front lines of mind-body medicine when it comes to women 
<clears throat> for many, many years. I was on the Oprah Winfrey show 10 times. I uh, did eight highly successful public television specials, which raised millions of dollars for public television. In 2013, I was one of the Reader's Digest 100 most trusted people in America. And now in 2021, I am one of the 12 disinformation dozen, along with uh, Sherry, of um, those of us accused of 70% of the disinformation about vaccines on the internet, which is an astounding fall from grace until you understand who is determining what grace is. Having studied the menstrual cycle, our connection with creativity, our connection with the moon, um, I am rather horrified at what's been going on around this. Now, I already knew this is a, a report here from LifeSite News. Uh, thousands of reports of menstrual irregularities and reproductive dysfunction following COVID vaccines. So the media has focused on blood clots, but then we had suddenly all of these women and a friend of mine today literally sent me a picture of what came out of her body. She's a woman in her uh, 30s. Entire decidual casts, they're called, um, meaning that the entire inside of the uterus just sloughs off, decidua, meaning uh, like deciduous trees that shed their leaves. The menstrual cycle is one of the indices of health. So we know that a regular menstrual cycle that's every 25 to 30 days is considered one of the ways that we determine a woman's health. And when suddenly you have thousands of people all over the world, many of whom have not been vaccinated, but have been around the, those who have, we begin to wonder. Now we already know that polysorbate 80, which is included in these shots, uh, can adversely affect ovarian function and has shut down ovarian function in rats. We also know that many, many women have become infertile as a result of the Gardasil vaccine, which I spoke out about in 2006 on the Oprah Winfrey show. <clears throat> there are things called pheromones that are secreted by the apocrine sweat glands in the pubic area and under the armpits. Those regulate women's menstrual cycles, it, that's the pheromones are why we think women have periods at the same time when they're all living together in close proximity. There are so many things that affect the menstrual cycle, but the reports that we are getting are not only uh, swelling of the genitals, um, erectile dysfunction in males, scrotum swelling, um, problems of this nature, breast irregularities, all of that. This is from the, the Yellow Card Voluntary Program in England, um, but we don't have any database right at this very moment, uh, formal database for these abnormalities that are occurring when you're simply around someone who's been, who's had this shot. So my feeling on this is that there's some kind of a bioweapon, some kind of a bioweapon that, uh, that the body is now secreting, transmitting, as it were, as you said, Sherry, from somebody who's had the shot. Because what here's what we know. This is not a normal immunization. It is, in fact, something that causes the body to make a synthetic protein against a 
SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. It is a synthetic protein that's never been seen. And the body begins to produce this as a factory. It doesn't shut off. I mean, I've had people say, well, you know, maybe in two weeks that will stop. There is no way this is going to stop because it's made your body into a factory for a synthetic protein that's never been seen before that theoretically can be in your um, saliva, urine, feces, sweat, seminal fluid, blood, um, flatus, maybe. And so when you're around a person, then I think this is coming out of their bodies and possibly adversely, adversely affecting the most delicate hormonal system. I mean, to get pregnant and stay pregnant is an enormously complex problem uh, system. And we know that that spike protein antibody cross-reacts with what's called syncytin 1 and 2. And those are proteins absolutely essential for the placenta, for fertilization, for maintaining a pregnancy. We now have women who are miscarrying. They are uh, unable to get pregnant. They're having heavy bleeding. We don't know why, but my feeling about this is that something is being produced by the body of a vaccinated person that is possibly adversely affecting others. And it is uh, of great concern to me. Fabiola. Hi, Leo. Well, I don't know about you, but she sounded like a lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, I would have said if I, I mean, I love uh, this doctor, and she's got all the credentials. I mean, w- was that impressive or what? Because I, I knew she was uh, a somebody, but mm-hmm. I hadn't heard it explained, you know, from a from a resume quite like her walking through that. I mean, from at least where, where she, she, I mean, that reads like a who's who as far as uh, where she went to school, where she did her residency. I mean, these are all places you hear all about sh- in movies. You know, all the shows she's been. I mean, she talked to Oprah. You know, she's written books. And, and a lot of people may not realize, she makes a quick comment there that, you know, she went from being, what did she, I think she said Reader's Digest, one of the hundred most trusted people mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. To, to now she is on I thought the, she said 12. Was it that? No, 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 no. That was the Dirty Desert. Oh, I think. Okay, well, either way, whether it's a hundred or twelve, it's it's still pretty impressive. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's a few more than a hundred people in in the in the U.S. But um, what was interesting was that you know here she is. She goes from being top of the game, and now she's uh, considered to be one of the twelve uh, sources of disinformation around vaccination uh, uh, that is causing problems for the industry right now. And, and they've coined that group, the dirty dozen. Um, and, uh, we talk about a lot of those individuals that are, that are in that list and, uh, all, you know, for the most part, uh, people we, we go to, they're, they're fantastic resources. They've really put themselves out there. Um, but I thought that was mind boggling to go from there to there. Yeah. So when I, I, we get this question a lot, people go like but you're saying all this but how come all these experts are not saying any of that uh why aren't they not saying that there's no uh basis for the testing because there's no control and how come they're not saying the vaccine could have problems 
And that's that's why, because if they do start talking about that, they are put in the lunatic category, the spreading misinformation category. They get the, their um, char- character attacked um, and they are censored. So they can't speak. Well, so you have to ask yourself, you know, the woman who has this this reputation like this, so what did she just decide one day? She got up and said, you know what, I think I'm going to nuke my career, <laughs> yes. you know? Um, and, and, and just listening to what she said, I mean, does she sound like she's an expert in the field? I mean, she's uh, calm, cool, collective. She knows her shit. She's got uh, uh, New York Times bestsellers. I mean, give me a break. So if we had heard, though... This interview, which we're going to post, I mean, this whole uh, panel of um, doctors speaking on this issue a week ago, I would be like, okay, that's a little far-fetched. But I have uh, a friend that just shared with me, she was just with her doctor last week, and she's experienced, she was not, she did not receive the shot, but she's experiencing uh, this heavy bleeding and she's not sure why because she never had these problems before and that's what kind of prompt prompted us to want to bring this to the table and talk about it because it, it's a very alarming um, issue and also it kind of flips the whole the paradigm it the flips paradigm, the paradigm exactly and the paradigm being being uh, that one side of this argument can hurt the other side, yes. basically. But before I do that, I just want to call out that the the clip that that came from uh, with Dr. Christian Northrup, uh, that was from uh, Millions Against Medical Mandates. Uh, and that was a, I believe, a five, actually a four-doctor panel um, that was about a 90-minute presentation. We've watched the whole thing. Very good. And in fact, what was refreshing about it is that all of the doctors really had a slightly different tilt because you know they're coming in and they're saying look we don't know what's going on all we know is that we are seeing things that we haven't seen before and so we're doing the science right now and we're trying to kind of put this together so that we can actually get information into the hands of people that are trying to make decisions for their health and well-being so uh what, what did you want to say yeah so she said something interesting so we've been tracking side effects right we've been tracking i mean in the in the trials side effects for the vaccines we as we talked about last week about the blood clots about the j and j shot uh, being interrupted, which apparently it didn't even that didn't even last a week because a panel, you know, just in the CDC just voted uh, to unpause to unpause ten of four. So there's a, a group up there just deciding the faith of without really humanity. providing at least in the articles we could check there wasn't a basically they said uh, it is plausible that is causing this, mm-hmm. but uh, we feel the, the... The risks outweigh the benefits of no, the No, 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 the, the opposite. The benefits outweigh the oh, risks. Oh, the benefits Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get that right, okay. <laughs> okay. But what prompted this uh, discussion was an article we saw last week called Period Changes Possible After Getting COVID-19 Vaccines. So uh, people are actually keeping track of what is happening in the population. So the post-market analysis, right, that um, 
these panels like the WHO and the CDC refer to, which meaning when you start experimenting the population, that's when the real data will come in. That's what they say. Um, so they started, people started just, um, women started reporting that after their shots, they were experiencing a change in their menstrual cycle. Some of them would bleed for a long time. Some would, um, the period would clot a little more. And then um, a university here um, in the U.S., let me see the name of the university again. So Dr. Catherine Clancy from the Department of Anthropology at the University of Illinois decided to do a survey on, you know, how many women uh, after getting the shot are experiencing this apparently newly discovered side effect which irregular irregularly irregularities in the men their menstrual cycle and they were just thinking they're gonna have you know a few hundred people that maybe would take the survey and um answer some questions and it turned out that like thousands of women and they started. said they had like between 13 and 14 right out of the gate and that yeah. that was uh before uh, midweek last week, it's, who knows where it's at now? In fact, right. we're going to leave the the link to that. Did to the survey, if anybody that you know that has taken the the shots is experiencing women, of course, and, and maybe men too, because as they um, they've referred in the they mention in the recording, there's men are also experiencing things like that. But at least we can see that there's. Uh, people uh, putting effort forward to document this somehow for people that are getting the shot, but you are really not having any tools that are going to keep track Okay, of these things that are happening with people that have just been around people that got the shot. They haven't gotten the shot, but they're experiencing similar uh, issues with, with blood and clotting and uh, miscarriages and menstrual cycle irregularities and so forth. You know, and I've, uh, uh, I follow several telegram groups, which uh, uh, kind of uh, keep track of what's being posted on social media. And, and it's also quite interesting, you know, the amount of people who are posting, you know, that they're having allergic type reactions, you know, literally like uh, rashes and hives when they're when they are working with people who they know have had the shot. So a lot of these individuals would be like uh, uh, hairstylists and uh, uh, other nurses, you know, who are working with people who have had the shot. And they's like, I've, I've never had a reaction like this ever. And all of a sudden they have the photos there and they're really startling, you know, and, and so uh, that's the interesting thing about social media, right, is that people can start to compile this data and you've got some uh, really proactive folks who are collecting all of those images and, and posts and then putting those in documents offline that people can pass around, uh, you know, just to kind of, uh, you know, get some historical context here as we move along and say, okay, well, what are the, what is the breadth and scope that we're seeing that people are being impacted with? Because certainly we're not getting... Uh, uh, much feedback from the mainstream news mm -hmm. or the uh, CDCs the and CDC, FDAs yeah. and yeah, but Dr. Fauci. Yeah, I do Dr. want Dr. Bill Gates. Dr. Bill Gates, <laughs> yes, the most popular doctor in the world. Um, I do want to uh, come back to you. You mentioned the the flipping of the paradigm, mm -hmm. and and that's been something I haven't even gotten my arms around 
completely, you know, as far as what it means to me as well. So, I mean, we, we want to talk about these things openly because, you know, we have real problems around the, um, the fact that you've got people on the side, uh, if you want to call it pro-vax, I mean, I hate giving pejoratives mm-hmm. to any group, but you yeah. know, people who are getting the vaccine, you know, have uh, concerns around, you know, being exposed to people who have not had the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now really, I think one, even though they did not say it outright, at least I didn't catch it in, in that uh, um Millions Against Medical Mandates uh, presentation there with the four doctors, um, I came away thinking, you know, is the sentiment kind of, you know, if you're not getting the vaccine, you really need to watch who you're you're with. You know, you, you, you may want to limit your exposure to people who you know have gotten the vaccine. And, and that was really just an interesting place to be because it's like, okay, you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the headspace. Mm-hmm. now of the other side because now you're worried that they could potentially be exposing you to something that could be causing your body to react uh, accordingly and so again i have not come to terms with what that means but i will tell you that i've been i've been doing some backflips over it i don't know does, does anything pop out at you right away well, what pops up at me is I don't know, it, and this is going to sound weird, okay. so I'm going to say it. That's but, what our podcast is but, about. Yeah, last week we were talking about um, the vaccine passports and all this, you know, people, um, some people are definitely pro that, and you actually even had a, a meme that was a little, I mean, not to make fun of people, but it was a little funny about, uh, you know, how do you know? Yeah, it had it had three. It had it had two kids sitting down at the dinner table with uh, their dad. It was like a 1950s scene, and the daughter's like asking her dad, uh, "But how will we know who's vaccinated?" And then the dad says, "Don't worry, they'll tell you." <laughs> <laughs> Which has definitely been been our experience. We would love to hear what your experience has been, uh, but if felt weird that there were two camps with the mask right and everything was so politicized and i felt like there was this intentional um propaganda going on to separate people to separate people from one side Mm -hmm. you know and now to see that that's happening on the medical freedom side it is like socially speaking and just as humans as humanity even though what they were explaining in the talk and if you guys listen to it you probably resonate with it It, some of it was even a little bit over our heads as far as the different um theories that the doctors had but it's just a scary to think that now we might not have a choice on the matter because we don't know, really, we don't know what these synthetic materials are doing to people's people that are getting injected, right? What it's doing to their bodies. And we don't know how that's impacting the people around them. I mean, we're seeing these reports. Uh, but again, do we want to live in fear and stay separated from our loved ones that are making the choice and they're making the choice because they want to um, protect themselves and 
protect others. I can't even see any other reason why a person would go ahead and, and sign up for this if they didn't feel like it was the right thing to do, even though we know it's probably not the right thing. I, I wouldn't say that, though. I, I think you have a lot of people, especially the younger generation, that just literally feel a peer pressure, not that they feel it's mm -hmm. the right thing to do. In fact, I've seen a lot of, when I say a lot, you know, I've probably seen a dozen to, to 20 uh, different social media posts from uh, people's, you know, who, who were young saying, you know, they did it, they had a bad reaction, they're regretting that they did it. But you know, they were they said, Hey, you know, I, I, I thought that was what I needed to do. You know what I mean? Because of, mm -hmm. of, of everybody telling me, go get it. And the universities yeah. are really pushing it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not hard to think that a large group of people, you know, regularly follow, you know, what, what is pushed down by the culture. Yeah, that's true. And but I still feel, you know, in my case, the only time I ever got a flu shot, it was because they had a huge campaign at my corporate office and I was sitting just down the aisle and my coworkers say, well, because we don't want you to get us sick, you know, so you should go ahead and suck it up and go do it. And me not knowing much about the uh, vaccinations in, in general back then, and I, I didn't want to go get it, but I went and I was sick, like really, really sick for two weeks. Like I consider I had a really bad reaction to the point that I have a medical note because every year I get again asked to uh, take the shot and I have to consent or decline. Uh, but I still felt like, okay, they're asking me to do it because they're scared. So I'll go ahead and take one for the team. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and now knowing more of course uh wouldn't do it again and didn't do it again but i still my sentiment was okay i'm gonna go ahead and do it for for the others here well and, and i think that um you know something else that happened really just today i was talking with a friend that i hadn't seen in quite some time um Really, that was one of the things we were talking about, right? Oh, yeah. I think we haven't seen them for for years. Over probably. over a year, yeah. And uh, uh, I think we said it was like fall of 2019. So, so yeah. about, a, about a year and yeah, a half. Yeah. Um, doesn't feel that long because you know you do see them on social media, right, mm -hmm. and whatnot. So you feel like you, you you've seen them to a certain extent, but hadn't hadn't seen them in a long time. And uh, it was really interesting because we were talking. Uh, you know, we spent some time in Brazil. And we were talking about the situation down there, and and uh, you know my friend was like, so you know what did you think down there and all that, and and uh, and I was saying, well you know I there was some interesting aspects, and you know we've talked about those a little bit here mm -hmm. on this podcast as we filmed several of the first episodes while we mm -hmm. were there. The recorded. The record. Yes, that's right. Film, <laughs> filmed. Yeah, yeah, there are films somewhere. No, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was interesting because basically the. Uh, you know, when I told him it, it, you know, it didn't seem really that big of a deal. Obviously, there are different pockets there, but but it didn't seem like that big of a deal. You know, he he had mentioned, well, you know, people there are just so careless, or I can't remember exactly the word he used, or irresponsible. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, uh, you know, you know, saying, you know, it's not real or whatever. And 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 I, I. I I would find it hard to believe he doesn't know where I land on the subject, given that mm -hmm. we're fairly vocal, but it, it seemed like he didn't. And I said, well, you know, I don't subscribe to the narrative. You know, I mean, I, I do believe people are 
are sick, but I mean, I do believe this is also being very, very manipulated. And so then the conversation, you know, he's like, well, so then if they're, if there's no virus or whatever, what, what, what are they getting sick of? And then I noticed in that moment, cause I started to explain and here we are, you know, we're at a get together and, uh, um, they're really knowing that he got the shot knowing he got the shot he, yeah the and, family but, but, <laughs> let us know but but <laughs> over I, social media i i knew as i started to say like the first thing i knew okay this this is a three-hour conversation mm-hmm. and it's right in that moment you know okay look i we're about to leave, you know, we, we have like 10 <laughs> minutes, you know, and I'm like, where do I start? I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Oh my God, there's no way I can even, I can even put a dent in this. And, um, and that was a real sobering moment, you know, because, you know, we, we know we come, we do this podcast, right. And, and we put all this data together and, and I think we have this feeling like people are, are in some way, shape or form being exposed to a lot of this stuff, you know, even if it's just, uh, happenstance mm-hmm. and that's not in the conspiracy theory um context right yeah yeah like they're at least hearing about it mm-hmm. uh, you know where it's framed very negatively mm-hmm. you know and oh and, yeah i heard that was experimental but that's not true because they've been working on it for years yeah yeah and and but really not that's not even the case mm-hmm. you know most people are just like oh they, they said they have a, vac- yeah. a vaccine and 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 they uh, tried before he killed a bunch of animals but you know they, they were working on it yeah and so uh i really just put the brakes on i had said one thing about like pollution in water and i knew that because which i knew that's just like a a piece of a of a of a pie that has about a hundred slices and and i was like oh shit we're not going to eat the pie <laughs> you know we're and you you you're not going to be able to uh i give him a glimpse of what the whole thing tastes like uh-huh. you know so i just like yeah you know let's not worry about but isn't it, it interesting how um uh... We talk about divide and conquer all the time, right? And isn't uh, germ theory like such a perfect tool? Oh, it is. To divide. Oh, it is. Right? Because now you're scared of this invisible thing that people are observing. Oh, yeah, I was sick. And then everybody in my house was sick. And then uh, my friend's mother died. And so this other person that I heard died. And... And we, we have discussed that quite a bit in other episodes of, you know, our um, the things that we have consumed that kind of maybe show some correlation, vitamin D deficiency, you know, nutritional uh, deficiencies, uh, diet, uh, air quality, pollution, um, chemicals in the environment, right? We talked about all that. And then that also has to be mixed in with the... Um the process issues around the testing, around the mm-hmm. way patients are um, uh, treated. Yeah, the way they're treated when they come into healthcare situ- uh, uh, providers and how they are dealt with, you know, uh, what treatments are they allowed to be given versus right. which ones are off the table. I mean, mm-hmm. it is such a, uh, uh, I don't even want to say it's a complex equation. It just has a lot of inputs. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to understand each of those pieces and you have to ask those questions around, well, why is that set up the way it is? And then move on to the next one. Well, why is that set up the way it yeah. is? And then when you see that there's this like willful ignorance around every single input, 
you're like, okay, well, this is pretty messed up. Yes. To reduce all of this complexity to one thing yeah. that hasn't been seen because you brought that up, right? During that conversation. Yeah, well, I did. I told him, I said, well, you know, they haven't even ever seen the, the virus. And I could see his face just wash over like, oh my God, I'm not, who am I talking to? Whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, that is a bold statement um, when you don't have any of the context. And so, yes. so we want to provide a little bit more of that mm -hmm. context here. Dr. Northrup also talked about that a little bit. And I can't remember exactly what she said. But, but we want you to key in on the term theoretical virus. Mm -hmm. And, um, Basically, in short, we're gonna let. Uh, don't 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 turn off the the audio now. Okay, we're going to explain. Don't run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we bring the, the, the worst the, theoretical the, virus. This is a longer clip, but I will tell you, it's very interesting because what Dr. Cowan's going to talk about here is um, how you would isolate something to determine that that one thing is the cause of something else, which in the case of, of uh, SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 being the virus and COVID-19 being the illness that is the set of symptoms that are presented. So uh, how do you prove that the one is the cause for the other? Well, you have to isolate uh, that thing and then you have to perform experiments that mm -hmm. show that that one thing is then leading to this sickness so let's hear and, and people might think this is not important but that's actually the fundamental question of the whole pandemic so we can jump into saying a virus was sequenced by computer models Right, but what comes before you can sequence something? You need to actually have proof that this something exists. And do you want to share real quick uh, who Dr. Cowan is for the listeners that might be new to the podcast? Well, do you want to tackle that? I mean, uh, I mean, Dr. Tom Cowan. He he he. Uh, uh, we've we've had he him wrote a book recently called The Contagion Myth. How uh, viruses and bacteria, including the coronavirus, are not the cause of disease. He uh, is a an MD, you know, that's been practicing for over thirty years, um, and he's fantastic. And he's kind of on this on the camp that really has been looking at all the research that tries to prove that the coronavirus, the SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus. Has never really been identified. It's it, it's what causes. I mean, the whole discussion is what causes COVID nineteen, and then it turns out that with this content, you, he's going to go into it how it is a theoretical. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and just entity. do it. Let's do it, and then we can talk yeah. about it a little bit after. But this is from the Health Freedom for Humanity podcast, which we will provide the link to that. We recommend that you check it out. It is a fantastic uh, group and a fantastic podcast. So, wow, thank you, Tom. So, Dr. Cowan, my my question is, um, Tom, his, it's Tom. Okay, Tom. My question is, um, when when you say that uh, there's there is no virus, I have the, I guess the context to understand what you're saying because I've dove into the the papers that you reference often in discussing this. But for a lot of the people listening, what is it that you mean by that exactly? I know you touched on the theoretical portions of it, but I know some people will send me papers and be like, hey, they have done uh, an intense genetic sequencing of the virus. What do you mean there's no virus? So what exactly do you mean by that? 
So in order to say there's a, a thing, like a, a spoon, uh, remember, we're not talking about a thought or a feeling, right? Which you cannot isolate. But everything can be isolated. And if it's a fork, I can say this is an isolated fork and this is two isolated forks. So when the CDC says there are no quantified isolates of the coronavirus available, that means they've never seen the thing. And so they can't count it. Now, the question I think you're asking, so what are they seeing here? So the, the best way to describe this is to, to understand how human beings actually isolate anything. And if somebody wants to be my foil here, I think I can explain this so people understand it. Okay? So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and then you try to give me your best answer. And, and just pay careful attention to the wording that I use. Okay? So we're going to do an experiment to see if the caffeine in coffee beans causes high blood pressure. Okay? That's our quest. Okay. So I take coffee beans and I grind them up and I put them in a capsule and I give 10 people the ground up capsule coffee beans and 10 people I give an appropriate placebo and all the controls are appropriate. Everything have I now proved, and they all get high blood pressure. None of the placebo, all 10 of the uh, people I give the ground up coffee, all 10 of them get high blood pressure. Have I proven that coffee, that Caffeine cause in coffee beans cause high blood pressure. No, you haven't because you have an isolated caffeine. You've done a, a coffee bean that's ground up and given it to the people. Right. In other words, there's more things in there than just caffeine. There's fiber and caffeic acid and aromatic oils and maybe a hundred other things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next step. I, I put some water in it, put it through a filter paper. I tell you in my study what the size of the holes in the filter is, and I end up with coffee, right? That's how you get coffee. I give that to 10 people. I give the other people the same water, so there's control. Have I now proven that the caffeine in coffee beans causes a high blood pressure? No, you haven't. Because? Because you still have coffee that is like being used to in place of caffeine itself. Right. In other words, there's more things than just caffeine. Right? Yeah. So, okay, I, I'm with you. So let's do a, a, a centrifuge and, and it separates things by weight. I know the weight of the caffeine. It comes out in a band. I suck the band out. I do an independent chemical analysis and it tells me there's only caffeine in this sample. I put it in a capsule. I give 10 people the same capsule, but it has nothing in it. And 10 people with the caffeine get high blood pressure. Have I now proven it? I would say yes. I would agree. Okay. Because we have done, we know the steps. We've isolated the caffeine. We can then characterize the caffeine. We can say how much it weighs and everything. And that is how you do science. And then you publish. The, the independent chemical analysis so that anybody can see they got just caffeine. There's no fiber, there's no caffeic acid, there's no anything. 
And then usually somebody repeats that experiment and does the same thing and gets the same result. Got it? Yeah. So here's how from 1930 to 1954, they did the exact same thing with viruses. They took somebody with chickenpox or measles or something, and they took the secretions or the snot, and they ground it up like the coffee beans, right? Now, that's not the virus any more than that's the caffeine, right? Right. So they put it through a filter paper, and they got the liquid part where the virus supposedly lives, and they got rid of the cells and the fungus and the bacteria. And so now they had a bunch of, uh, they had liquid, a supernatant, they call it, and it has viruses and a bunch of other things. So then they did the next step, which is they centrifuged it in a gel electrophoresis. They pull out this, the molecular weight and they show with an electron microscope that it's pure virus. Now, with measles, they couldn't find the virus. There was no virus. With chickenpox, there was. With herpes, there is. The next step, they give that purified, isolated virus. Then you can characterize the genome, right? Mm -hmm. You can sequence one end to the other. You can give it to an animal. None of the animals got sick. Mm -hmm. None of them. They could not, for 20 years, doing this properly, make any animal or person sick with a purified virus. And as I like to say, that was the end of virology. They were going to be plumbers then, uh, except <laughs> somebody said there's another way to do this, which is what they do until today. They take snot, right, mm -hmm. respiratory secretions. They do a little bit of filtering. They take that filter stuff, like that's like the coffee. They inoculate that on a, on a tissue culture, like monkey kidney cells. And lo and behold, nothing happens. It doesn't kill the, the kidney tissue. So then they figured out that if they starve the tissue, it's called minimal nutrient medium, that that, that would help. But it still doesn't work. So then they figured that they had to... Uh, put in antibiotics like genomycin and amphotericin, which are, happen to be kidney toxins, and that then the tissue would break down and the tissue would release all these particles. And they said that means the virus grew and formed all these particles. That is how we prove to this day that the virus causes disease. Now, if you think about that, first of all, nobody pulled out the virus from the beginning. And just like you said, that, that, that the coffee doesn't prove it's the caffeine. And the second of all, uh, we now know that when you poison any tissue, it defends itself by packaging up the genetic material. These are called exosomes or, or intracellular vesicles. And they, they detoxifies itself by secreting these vesicles, otherwise known as exosomes. In fact, if we stop the tissue from doing that, the tissue dies. Mm. So this is a mm. fundamental way that the tissue detoxifies itself and then communicates through resonance to other organisms. Here's what happened. I've been poisoned by genomycin. Mm. 
So every single one, and I mean this because people have sent me, literally hundreds of people have sent me title of the, of the, of the article, isolation of the coronavirus. <laughs> every one is done this exact way. They take snot, and, and even in the Christian Drosten paper, they didn't even, they not only didn't have the virus, they had no, they were making a test for a virus. They had no examples of the virus, and they had no samples from any person with COVID-19. My God. Now think about that. That's like, uh, you know, Tom, I want you to make a unicorn, a, a, a test for a unicorn, but you're not allowed to, to see a unicorn first. All you can see is a, a picture of a unicorn on the internet. Now, <laughs> then you find a piece of a hoof and you say, this must be from a unicorn. Now, the fact of the matter is there could be a, a buffalo or a, or, or a pig. I don't know if pigs have hooves. I think, they do. <laughs> I think so. It's zebra. You don't, you don't have any idea whether it's yeah. coming from, from this so-called outside virus. And, you know, for people who don't believe me, here's a quote from a uh, magazine, tw uh, July 2020, on extracellular vesicles and viruses. The quote is, to date, there is no reliable method that guarantees a complete separation from viruses from, from exosomes or, you know, ex endocellular vesicles. Mm. And I can tell you there's a thing called a fork, and this is a different thing called a spoon. And the only reason you can't separate a fork from a fork or an or a exosome from a virus is because they're the same thing. Okay. So when we say there is no virus, or should I say they have not proven that a virus exists, mm -hmm. that is the basis. Now, and we have um, heard that from many uh, uh, t Tom Cowan is just one of the most vocal. And it's the he, one that apparently started speaking up about it first, and his videos went viral. Yeah, well, and, and uh, he's he's also very uh, um, vivid with how he uh, story mm -hmm. tells around uh, you know getting people it's to got kind very of visualize good examples. It. Yeah, and and so uh, uh, so we go back to him over and over again. But there are a lot of people that are bringing this up, and so this really um, the World Doctors Alliance, the World Doctors Alliance, and, and this. So, so then people one. say, "Well, I don't understand." Well, then what's causing this? And we did an episode about that, mm -hmm. and we weren't we weren't necessarily pinpointing anything. We were uh, spitballing and saying, you know, there are all these uh, uh, variables in an environment that we are not even including in the conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, this these would be things like there's a crisis of attention too. There's also a, a misdiagnosis or multiple diagnoses or trying to reduce everything to that COVID. Uh, diagnoses, uh, which is happening. So cancer uh, numbers are down, but COVID numbers are up. Uh, what was the other disease again? Uh, that was oh, uh, cardiovascular mm -hmm. disease, heart disease is down, but COVID is up. So there's, you know, some shady stuff happening on how doctors now are supposed to fill out death certificates, which is 
It's a fact, okay? These diagnoses are facts and also the case that, you know, people um, that uh, die of COVID or are diagnosed with COVID, they, um, by the CDC numbers, have two or more uh, comorbidities associated to it. Yeah, I mean, and we've talked at length, again, if we're just going to use this episode here, it's very similar to that conversation I was having with the friend earlier is that, you know, there are, there are several entry points Mm -hmm. into this that um, are factors in this. So we can't go into all those here. Those are in the, the, the past episodes that you need to dive into if you have interest in that stuff. But, but, but that's the point here is it, because then I think what ends up happening is you, you have people who say, well, if it's not that, then what is it? And if you can't come up with that thing, Mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're a goof. And, and I've made the point in other episodes. I mean, just bringing it up is already a red flag because they may have been, you know, they think the words conspiracy theory in their head. And so they just kind of tune out at that point. Well, it, it really makes me come back to, um, you know, Carrie Mullis, mm, Dr. Carrie yes. Mullis. And, and uh, uh, I actually... Ironically enough, in a previous episode, we had uh, uh, we played a clip of Dr. Tom Cowan when he was on Melissa Floyd's um, "What They Aren't Telling You" podcast, mm-hmm. and he was explaining the story of how Dr. Carrie Mullis had met Dr. Luke Montagnier. Dr. Carrie Mullis is the developer of the RT-PCR test, the inventor of it. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, he's since passed. He passed. Uh, 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 in 2019, right before the pandemic started, conveniently. Mm-hmm. Again, not saying anything there. Yeah. Just very, very interesting timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was old. And and he was spoke very critically of Tony Fauci, and that uh, stemmed from the what happened and conspired around the AIDS virus and HIV. And uh, uh, he's on camera uh, on several interviews, really bagging on Fauci and also just bagging on um, AIDS uh, and HIV research in general because, you know, his his uh, uh, process, PCR, was used uh, to uh, help bolster studies uh, around uh, uh, and to determine diagnosis mm-hmm. around uh, HIV and AIDS uh, back in the, uh, the heyday there of the uh, early 90s and whatnot. So, so he has a dog. He had a dog in the hunt, you know. There, b- because uh, one of his inventions was was uh, kind of being uh, hogtied onto this this issue. And uh, um, when you when you dive Misused. in, well, and, and when you dive into the HIV thing, I mean, it is crazy. And when you see that you have a lot of the same players mm-hmm. like Fauci involved, that is even crazier. And um, we we have a clip here. Um, which we want to play, which uh, is basically the story that Tom Cowan uh, gave in the previous episode, but it's just interesting hearing it from Carrie's uh, mouth and, and mm-hmm. describing that uh, because there is a, a there is some additional context because you know he's trying to get a source, um, he's trying to cite a source for where it was proven that HIV causes AIDS because in science, you know when a claim like that is made, it has to be backed up by 
uh, a published paper, mm-hmm. you know, that, that proves peer that, that's peer reviewed. With, uh, controlled, and, uh, randomized studies. And, and so when you are uh, c- citing something like HIV is the cause of AIDS, you have to put the little tick mark and then you have to cite the, the paper that proves it. And he couldn't find that paper. And so, um, I mean, let's go ahead and take a listen to that. And uh, just to give you some additional context here, let me make sure that... Uh, so, you know, we're not making this up and we're not conspiracy theorists. Yeah, this is, uh, this is really good. Hang on a minute. The first time I really questioned it, I was working on a project where we were measuring HIV in people's blood at this place called uh, Specialty Laboratories in Santa Monica. I was just an, a, a consultant there. And I came in about three days a month. And we were working on that, and at some point we needed to re-up our, our grant from the NIH to work on that, and I had to write it. And so the first line of that was, HIV is the probable cause of AIDS. And I wrote that, and then I said, well, I need a paper, some kind of scientific paper, to reference that statement. Because when you make a, scientific, a statement like that, that's like a fact, you need to say, here's how come I know that. Right? You put a little one if it's the first statement you've made, and then you put down at the bottom of the paper, you have a one, and you say, here's a paper by somebody that describes why that statement's true, right? And so I said, to, I said well, what's that? I don't know, let me think about it. What is that paper? Who do I go to for that? And I looked around, I asked a couple of virologists at that company, and they said, no, you don't have to reference. I said, I have to reference that, because I, I don't know where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. There wasn't a scientific reference, like a, a paper that somebody had submitted with like experimental data in it and like logical discussion and said, here's how come we know that HIV is the probable cause of AIDS. There was nothing out there like that. Nothing. Can you talk about your experience when you met Luke Montenegro for the first time and you questioned him about his well, by the time I met Luke Montagnier, I had met a lot of AIDS researchers at meetings, and I had always gone up to them. If they, if they talked like they knew about H, HIV and AIDS, I always went up to them afterwards and I said, where can I find a scientific reference that I can use for my... Remember I said I had a sentence there that said HIV is the probable cause of AIDS, and I needed to have that backed up by something before I could write it and submit it. And I went around, I asked a whole lot of people. I said, well, the people, you know, I can't find it. I, at first I looked for it, you know, just in, in like computer searching kind of stuff like that. But then I said, there's got to be somebody that knows this. So you go to the experts and ask them. And so I asked all these people one after the other, and none of them had it. None of them. And I was getting really freaked about that. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. Nobody really knows. This whole thing. It's a big sham. It's ridiculous. But then finally Montagnier came to a, there was a, a special little seminar down in San Diego where an old friend of Robert Gallo's, Flossie Wangstall, was opening up a Department of AIDS Research down in San Diego. They had big, lots of money involved, federal money. And they had Montagnier come there and give a talk. And after that, they had a little wine and cheese thing. And I went over to Montagnier afterwards and I said, uh, Dr. Montagnier, I, 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 have a, I can't find a uh, reference, like who, 
I can't find a reference to go with the statement HIV is the probable cause of AIDS. I, I'm sure you can help me. And he, he knew that he probably should be able to help me. And he said, well, why don't you quote this new work? This, and by new, he meant like something that came out this year. Right? This new work about a, 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 a virus that can kill uh, monkeys. Or I think it was not monkeys. It was like uh, something related to monkeys, some kind of a baby, a little ape. And, and I had read that, and I said, that didn't. It was like supposedly going to be a model system for studying AIDS. If somebody had figured out some kind of retrovirus that passing it back and forth between various mammals, they could, prob they could finally put it into chimpanzees and kill them. And it killed them in about a week. And it didn't kill them in any, there was nothing like AIDS there. You know, it, it doesn't kill you in a week. This is just totally ridiculous. It, none of the symptoms were the same. And I said, I said, well, you know, I read that paper, and I didn't, I didn't see any connection between that and AIDS. And I and I, and I, and I don't think that would be a real. I wouldn't want to use that as a reference. And uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I know he walked away. Oh. Now, before he told me about that paper, he said, why don't you use the NIH, like the, the CDC report? And I said, well, I looked at that, and that was not a scientific paper. And then he said, what about this other thing, this, this, this like paper that had just come out about a month before, and, and it, a lot of fanfare associated with that paper, but it was total crap. It was like, yeah, if you got $2 million, you can figure out how to kill a primate with a retrovirus. So what? Doesn't have anything to do with AIDS. It didn't look like AIDS. It didn't smell like AIDS. It wasn't AIDS. It was just like got a retrovirus that can kill a chimpanzee. So what? So I I didn't get any more out of him. He walked away after that. And the people standing around, by the way, who were his colleagues there, looked at him like they were thinking he should come up with a better answer than that. But he couldn't, and that's, he just turned around and walked away. I really thought he'd have an answer. I really did. I mean, that was my last, I was right at the edge of my, my faith in the system, but I thought Montagnier will know why he thinks HIV causes it, and he'll tell me. He'll say, because of this study, you know, but he didn't have that. None of those guys have that, and that's why they're so, they're so weird, you know. That's why they don't want to say, they don't want people like me walking up and asking them those kind of questions, and they're willing to, like, go to great lengths to prevent that. They're out on a limb. I wouldn't want to be there with them. Wouldn't want to be there with them. And it's mm -hmm. a lot of the same characters yeah. that are involved today with COVID-19. And so, you know, we kind of want to summarize. We're, we're coming up on an hour, which we like to keep these uh, episodes uh, uh, around that, that, that timeline. But, um, you know, this is, this is a great example, and it's just really interesting how it echoes into the present, you know, because this was years ago. Carrie Mullis, he's passed away. I, I, this interview looks like it was probably done in the early 2000s. Decades, right? Yeah, and because and, uh, he died, I think he was around 76 when he passed away, and he looks like he's probably in his uh, uh, early 60s or something here in this, in this clip. But um, what's really interesting to me is, You've got this guy, Kerry uh, Mullis, who's 
test is now being misused to uh, manipulate this COVID situation. And again, the same thing was happening around HIV and AIDS. And if you dive into that story around HIV and AIDS and some of the research that was calling out uh, Fauci and the NIH and, and, and whatnot, as far as what they were pushing, there was the development of the AZT drug and stuff. I mean, it is really, really startling mm-hmm. what was conspiring back then around that. And, and here I, I remember, you know, I was a re- really young, I was a teenager when the AIDS thing was getting big. I remember the Tom Hanks film, Philadelphia, he won a, uh, an award um, and you know, all we were thinking was, oh man, okay, you know, this population of, of uh, uh, homosexual men were getting uh, bombarded with this uh, this disease and then contracting uh, AIDS and, and dying horrible deaths. And but there's so much more to that story, mm-hmm. so much more to that story. And now here Dr. we are. Dr. Cowan's book is a great uh, resource that tells that story. We'll put that in the notes. Yeah, the contagion myth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so again, we just want to um, paint the picture here. I mean, we started out talking about the, the, the situation with uh, women having these strange uh, cycle changes in mm-hmm. their, their menstrual cycles. And um, again, we don't know what's going on there. And, mm-hmm. and even the doctors don't know. They're just starting to put together possibilities, right? They're saying, hey, look, it could be this. We probably want to look here because this is some things we would think we would be seeing if, if that was the case. And they're really just putting their heads together. And in many ways, remember, these are emergency use authorized uh, shots. Mm-hmm. And so... And the testing, the same thing. Yeah, same thing. It's emergency use authorized. Mm-hmm. It is not FDA approved. It is mm-hmm. emergency use authorized. So uh, in, in many ways, the actual treatments here or the, 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 what they're calling the immunization, which is not an immunization, it's in the, the phase where they're still trying to determine exactly how everything works and how it's impacting everything. And they're still collecting that post-marketing data. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and we're in this massive clinical trial, which is the whole world. You mm-hmm. know, providing them back this this data, because um, otherwise it would be FDA approved, right? So and um, based on pretty much unicorns. Yeah, exactly. Pictures, pictures of unicorns. Pictures of unicorns. And so that they found on the internet. <laughs> well, well. So, so you know, when we bring up, because um, we know we can very quickly get you know, pigeonholed into that, that, uh, uh, bucket of conspiracy theorists. But, um, you know, we want to point you to that, uh, millions against medical mandates, uh, presentation. It was very informative. I mean, I really can't see how anybody who is a critical thinker and also can tell people who are real science minded people who are really looking for, for solutions. When you hear those people talk, you know them. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, they're not spitting the same thing over and over again, even though the they're puzzle, putting the puzzle their reputations pieces. on the line. Exactly. And, and so, uh, we'll point you to that resource. We think it's worth the time to invest and learn that. And really, if anything, just so that you have awareness, because you have to know where the puck is going mm-hmm. so that you can protect you and your family and say, okay, you know, here's what I want for myself and, and here's where I'm willing to put myself mm-hmm. in potential risk and here's where I'm not willing to put myself mm-hmm. in potential risk. You know, yeah. and, and we're still trying to figure a lot of those things out too. We're trying to come to terms with, you know, the paradigm shifting here. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes and we want to continue to talk about that here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also want to make sure that the conversation is at least happening. 
Yes, we're giving tools so that you can advocate for yourself and your family and have conviction behind the decisions that you make that affect your body and maybe affecting uh, people around you, affecting your community at large. Yeah, so if, if that decision is important to you, then, then uh, you know, doing the diligence to understand what could be happening with these types of uh, countermeasures you know, is important so that you, know, you can... Uh, protect yourself and and the ones around you. All right. This has been another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast with Leo and Fabi. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious.